Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. Are you still watching Succession? I have a hate-love thing with it because uh-huh, those characters uh-huh. just give me the creeps. That's I mean, so funny you said that because I've been thinking about Succession as a show about the people I love to hate, but now I just hate them. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. everybody and here we are i'm arch campbell and this is the podcast that desperately tries to keep up with the ever-changing world of entertainment and lou katz is in the control room our dear friend and enabler lou how are you i'm doing okay still still fighting this uh this cold slash i don't know what's going on in my body but i am massively disappointed that i did not get any golden globe nominations this year <laughs> And, and, and for that, I just want to tell everybody, I'm just, you know. <laughs> they nominated it. We're going to get into the Golden Globes, too. They are, they, they're like that cold you've got. They just won't go away. But first, I want to tell you, I got an email from our dear friend, Linda Carducci at WETA. Sure. You know, our good friend who's the morning host on the classical station. Sure, 90.9. And she's, she says, Arch. A musician goes to heaven and is looking forward to finally getting an answer to the question whether God prefers Mozart or Bach. As he stands before the throne of God, he hears Mozart, leading him to reflect to the Lord. Well, most people think you listen to Bach, but I see you listen to Mozart, whereas the creator of the world looks at him and says, I am Bach. That's that wacky <laughs> Linda Carducci. Used to be an underground rock jock. Right. Now she's playing uh, Mozart. And Bach. So right. She's she's our announcer on this show, and we really uh, love her. We that. do. So, so we have a wonderful friend of ours as our guest critic today. He comes with a long and distinguished career. For many years, he was the chief critic for AARP. He invented the category movies for grownups. I'm I'm assigning that invention to him, whether he likes it or not. He's now the chief reviewer for the Saturday Evening Post, and he is our good friend, Bill Newcott. And hello, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hello, Arch. Hello, Lou. How are you doing? Well, we are, we are here and we're fighting the good fight. I always find it amusing when you say I'm the chief reviewer for the Saturday Evening Post, as if there was an army of, of reviewers from the Saturday Evening Post, you know, pens poised. Uh, Since, so. And you're leading that army. Yes, yes. So, well, I know I'm just glad to know the Saturday Evening Post endures. I've always loved that publication. So am I. And you know what? It's, it's like the print circulation is like 350,000, which is not an unhealthy circulation. Yeah, I mean, I know it's online, but they print it as well. So, yeah. uh, and you just not every Saturday of... anymore. <laughs> just some Saturdays. Yes, right. You can pick it up on a Saturday if you want. <laughs> so, well, Bill, we like to start this podcast by asking our guest, "What are you watching? What are you watching just for fun?" That's an interesting question, Arch, because it implies it implies watching TV, right? That implies watching uh-huh. like a yeah. streaming yeah. series. Yeah. And yeah. we have this conversation all the time. And I think the fact is, I, I consider myself too old to commit myself to eight hours of any story. So I, actually, I, I don't watch, you know, continuing t- 
TV shows for the most part. I will on, on your recommendation. I will occasionally you know watch one. I I, I love Ted Lasso, but again, that's mm-hmm. half hour little half hour um, yeah. segments and stuff. But these ones that go forever, I just my life is too short. I'm I'm doing I'm now doing the calculus of how many hours I have left, <laughs> and uh, that's an that's an investment. You know, investment versus return. You know, everybody is talking about succession. I think they're in their third season, and they I are. Have it's been too late. Watching too late for me. Nine episodes, and I'm telling you, Succession is getting to be like um, Linus and the football. <laughs> it's three kids of this rich guy played by Brian Cox, who's fantastic, and, you know, based on the Murdoch family, and and he won't. Uh, turn the company over to any of them and you know just when you think he is he pulls the football away and i i think it's jumped the shark have you heard of the uh, beatles documentary get back i did review of that actually it was, it was again this is, this is a case in point uh disney because as you know we get screeners uh-huh. for these things ahead of time yeah. from people and disney sent me the screener five days before it went on went on the air well that's yeah. eight hours of my life <laughs> in five days so i what i did was I, I i just sort of needle dropped through the whole thing and i liked everything i saw and i can understand i you know no one loves the beatles more than i do but i think it's a, it's an awful lot of beatles i think they the, you know the job of the editor and and he and what's his name the director um peter, uh, peter jackson peter jackson you know he's a fantastic director but we know by now he doesn't know how to say goodbye he doesn't know how to end things. You, you remember the last of the Lord of Rings movies? They started saying goodbye 15 minutes into the film, and four hours later, the last guy sails off on his boat. You remember that Lord of the Rings screening, and uh, it gets toward the end, and people started getting up, and then you know he would start a new scene. Can I tell? Can I tell a story on down. you? Can I tell a story yeah. on you about that screener? Yes, please. I heard snoring next to me at that screening, <laughs> and it wasn't Anne Hornaday. <laughs> I've got some of those nice strips now from CVS. They really are helping. <laughs> you know, uh, I started the Beatles documentary last night, Get Back, and I watched about the first hour of it, and I just got weary of it. I mm-hmm. mean, I really wanted to love it, and I love the way he he starts with a little thumbnail history of the Beatles. That was good. I like that. He zips through. It's like eight, nine minutes. It's yeah. just, it's, it's perfect. And then they're sitting around and they're trying to decide what they're going to do. And they're talking back and forth. And I, I just, after a while, I just held my head in my hands. I, well, the, I, the, the job of the documentarian, the filmmaker in general, is to curate. Like everyone shoots uh-huh. 50 yeah. hours of film for, their, for yeah. their movies. And then they pick the best stuff and the stuff that means the most. And I feel like he punted. I, I, I know he had a, an original two and a half hour cut of that movie that was going to go theatrical. And then when COVID happened, he said, oh, great. I can go eight hours on Disney, which he did. And I would be curious to see what the two and a half hour cut was. I do not want to see the 18 hour cut that apparently exists uh, somewhere. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make it through the eight hours. I mm-hmm. might uh, needle drop into the final uh, seg. There's three segments, each right. two and a half hours long. And the uh, the rooftop concert is worth watching, and he does a nice uh-huh. job. There's a lot of split screen um, photography. He's he's using a lot of the film all at once, and it's it's very it's really well done. In fact, the whole film's well done.
Pick no. your favorite film, your favorite film. Would you watch an eight-hour version of your favorite film? And you wouldn't. No, no, no. You know, I did watch, speaking of that, uh, Nightmare Alley. There's a new version of Nightmare yeah. Alley. Have you seen it? I was supposed to watch it last night and hear some uh -huh. sausage making because, you know, <laughs> these days they don't, they used to send uh -huh. us discs at the end of the year to the yeah, film critics. And yeah, now it's, it's yeah. links. And I, I, I went to show it last night to look at it. As I told you, I would, I promised. Uh -huh. And lo and behold, it's not on my menu of films I can watch from Disney. And I, so I'm writing back and forth to Burbank all night. The heck with it. I watched Come On, Come On instead, which I really liked. Yeah. Have you seen that? Uh one? Nightmare Alley is two and a half hours. I w am a big fan of the original from 1947. I've never and, seen it. Uh, uh, oh, it's always on Turner Classics. It's a, mm -hmm. it's, it's a classic. Tyrone Power and Joan Blondell. I'm no good. I never pretended to be. But I love you. I'm a hustler. I've always been one. But I love you. I may be the thief of the world, but with you, I've always been on the level. And, you know, wow. he's working on a carnival, and he learns this mind-reading act, and he goes to the big time, and, and he gets tangled up with a psychiatrist. And uh, the original is particularly heavy on spiritualism. Mm -hmm. And uh, they find this rich guy who's uh, torn up about a, a woman he loved and didn't treat well, who died. And, and they make her, they uh, make her appear, and uh, and then at the last minute, it goes wrong, and he winds up back in the depths. And uh, <laughs> nightmare, the new Nightmare Alley is two and a half hours long, and I loved every minute. So to Sounds your good. point, if it's well done, I you know I'll be in there swimming. I loved it. I just loved it. I just I may watch it again. Another two and a half hours of my life gone. That's okay. If you if you like, like you asked me about my best movies movies I liked most this year, and and m many of them I will watch again or I have already watched twice. Yeah. And I I mean two hours and a half is is okay. I mean the James Bond movie was two forty five. I've said this with you before is is I start mentally subtracting points for any movie that goes over two hours. It has to yeah, earn every yeah. minute over two hours because I always think you should be able to tell the story in two hours, unless you can't. And that that sounds like one. And the Bond one was like that too. Really, ninety minutes I think is is right on the money. And if you look at the classics, you start pulling out the classics on Turner Classics. Most of them are 90 minutes, 95 yeah. minutes, some of them 100 minutes. Before we get off of Get Back, there was a wonderful documentary called McCartney 321. Uh, and it was Paul McCartney today discussing his music with a producer and playing excerpts of it. And, and it was sort of a how I did that. And hmm. uh, uh, I highly recommend, and it's 30-minute it's episodes. I brought in the chords, and then George Martin said, it'd be nice if we could have a little intro. And Harrison just went, do, 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 do. Yeah, that I will watch. McCartney yeah. 321, and if you see it, let me go, let me know. Well, now, Lou they, they... brought up the Golden Globes. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you bring up the Golden Globes? <laughs> Well, it's like know. it's like Thanksgiving, and 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 Uncle Fred turns up, and you thought <laughs> Uncle Fred was dead, and here he comes, and he's loud, and he's at the table, and everyone hates him, but he's there. Well, now here's the thing, though: their nominations pretty much sum up 
the year. Their nominations are not, you know, everybody hates the Golden Globes. They're a bunch of uh, foreign journalists who uh, take <laughs> take uh, bribes or whatever. Uh, I don't think they do that anymore. They had, they had, a you know, but they take trips and they, they, uh, they're, they're boondogglers and, uh, and there's only a few of them and there's no diversity and, but their nominations came out and they're, so let me go, let me go through them real quick. Just, uh, drama and musical Belfast Coda. Do you see Coda on Apple TV? On your recommendation, I saw that. I loved it. I think that's, to me, that's, and and the young woman who stars in Coda Mm -hmm. should be uh, given uh, an Oscar nomination, and I doubt she will, but I hope she is. Dune, King Richard, and The Power of the Dog. Those are their dramas. Belfast, Coda, Dune, King Richard, and The Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog on HBO Max, I'd put that up against most any movie any it's, year. It's fabulous in every way. His performance, of course, Jane Campion's direction and the photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dick Cumberbatch. Yeah. West, it reminds me a little bit of uh, There Will Be Blood. A little bit, yeah. And it reminds me a little bit of HUD. And it just, that's one I'm going to watch over again. And in fact, I might put my money on the power of the dog for the oscars best picture this year best Mm. picture maybe some of some of the uh, critics groups are are going for that ranchers 1900 yeah uh, a widow woman a widow the widow (laughs) the widow cursed woman and her sissified son (laughs) he was fantastic cody scott mcphee yeah who i guess if if you see him in other movies he doesn't look anything like that he's just that good an actor I understand um, he's actually kind of ill, has a debilitating disease. Really? Uh, we might not see that much of him. I think it oh, might no. be a form of arthritis. The kid in uh, The Power of the Dog. Wow. I'd, I'd say he's a shoe-in to win on Oscar. So the way this conversation is going, let me ask you first, do the Oscars still matter? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. I mean, they matter more than the Golden Globes do. I think... People still want a list. You know, you know that's sort yeah. of, I mean, since the Ten Commandments, everyone's wanted a list. <laughs> so, I, why not? You know, so, and someone has to put them together. So, uh, in that vein, the Golden Globes, you know, so there was their, there was their drama. Now, here's their musical, Cyrano, Don't Look Up, which I haven't seen, but I understand is quite good. Uh, Licorice Pizza, Tick, Tick, Boom, a musical, West Side Story, a musical. So uh, this is Golden Globes list. Yeah. Belfast, of all those, I've, on, I've only seen Cyrano of all those movies. I haven't, I have here to see Tick, Tick, Boom, but that's it. I don't, I don't have any, I, so I'll have to actually seek out West Side Story in a theater. Okay. Well, I went to the screening of West Side Story. And I liked it. I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's not necessary. uh, And it does not seem to be resonating with the movie going public such as they are. (laughs) (laughs) It might be the right movie for the wrong time. Yeah, I read that. That had like 10 million box offices first weekend, which was a disappointment. You know, I taped... The original West Side Story was on Turner Classics, and I mm-hmm. taped it. And it's a little uh, 
it's a little uncomfortable to watch today, you know. The, <laughs> Russ Tamlin? <laughs> with the fake Hispanic accents. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Natalie Wood uh, lip syncing to Marnie Nixon. And, it's, a, it's, an, uh, it's a product of its time. I, you know, it, yeah. Early 60s. This is movies, not I 1957. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I did sit through it once. And uh, it, 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 it's, it looks and quacks like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. And, and it's supposed to crackle with authenticity, I think, is what, what they were trying to do on and Broadway. Because they were just a, like a few blocks away from West Side uh-huh. you know, at that time. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. And I, I know I have a feeling Spielberg's is probably a better movie, although I haven't seen it, just in terms of of filmmaking it is better than the original yes yeah. i get a little irritated at spielberg spielberg because uh there comes a point where uh the film something's going on and and you get look at me i'm steven spielberg <laughs> there was a jurassic park movie where one of the dinosaurs got out and there was a Union 76 gas station with the big orange globe <laughs> and the dinosaur knocked the globe and it's rolling down the street. And it's, it's such a Steven Spielberg thing. And in West Side Story, it starts with the uh, jets jumping around a, a construction site and getting on a construction crane and throwing bricks. And, you know, it's just a total... Spielberg moment so you know he he calls attention to himself I can give you some um what you the Cyrano I thought Cyrano was cute I loved it I I will I will watch that again Ah. because I'm in the tank for Peter Dinklage always ever since the station agent uh he just is, right. and, I, and you know I knew he could sing I, I knew he's never sung before but he always has he has that that voice so he just knew he's gonna be able to be a good singer I was I mean this is me I didn't Were even you know in, it was a, I didn't know it was a musical I'm watching Cyrano and all of a sudden uh, they they break into song and I was a little stunned it's uh the classic story of uh in in the classic uh Cyrano had a big nose and couldn't get uh his love to love him and in this version Cyrano is uh short a little person yeah and um that's the thing he has to overcome so you know that's i i do like dinklage licorice pizza Which i, I got a link to that yeah i like and it. i gotta say i loved it mm-hmm. and I, I have a friend who discusses movies in terms of virus worthy <laughs> <laughs> are they virus worthy <laughs> so I'm going to, I think uh, Licorice Pizza is going to open Christmas Day at the American Film Institute in Silver Spring. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go over there to a matinee and watch it again in 35 millimeter or yeah. 70 millimeter. Uh, I think good? he's only releasing it in like one or two theaters mm-hmm. per market. So that's one I'll watch again. And that that's a contender. Yeah. So I hear. Yeah. It's a remake, yeah. right? There was another licorice pizza, wasn't there? Was there? I don't know. Sounds, for, sounds so familiar. Pizza, it was it a record refers, store. It refer, yeah, it's a record store from the... We, that, that's your time, isn't it? The 70s in California? <laughs> my time. My heyday, yes. <laughs> when I was selling my wild oats. <laughs> it's 
So I, I tell you, here's the movies I have not seen yet, and, and it's a terrible list. I mean, it's it's I, Nightmare Alley, The Lost Daughter. Have you seen that? The yeah, Lost I saw Daughter. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Tender Bar. Nah, nah, I'm not gonna okay. see it. <laughs> <laughs> you you haven't seen Matrix, The Matrix Resurrections, right? No, no. No, but you're not going to. <laughs> I'm not gonna. And I feel the same way about Dune. Yeah. In fact, a young friend of mine went to see Dune, and they went to the theater. And basically was saying, yeah, yeah, it was Dune. <laughs> I came in, I came into town to see that. That's one of my rare trips to DC to, to watch Did a movie because I wanted it? to see. I didn't love it. It's not on, it's not on my top 10 list of the year. Is uh, it virus worthy? <laughs> not virus worthy. Not for, although I tell you that, you know, it's a big screen movie and you had to appreciate that. Like it's a movie you have to see on a, on the biggest possible screen. And it's, it's worth it for that. They, they, but the trouble, well, we don't have to go through the problems with Dune again, but the problem yeah. is that, it doesn't end. He just sort of says, okay, that's enough. Cuts the camera off and we'll be back like next time. Like the Beatles. Like the Beatles. Like get back. <laughs> I am, I intend to see Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield because, as you know, our, our erstwhile Washington Film Critics Association gave him best actor. Right. Or for Tick, Tick, Boom. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. And I've spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're going to be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. You were not a fan of it, were you? Uh, I just found it a narcissistic, aren't I precious overdose. <laughs> that... <laughs> I, I got a tick, tick, boom for that. <laughs> I couldn't understand uh, Andrew Garfield. Uh, I thought uh, Benedict Cumberbatch or uh, Will Smith in mm -hmm. King Richard uh, yeah. were going to win Best Actor, and maybe they split it. Maybe maybe that was it. Uh, I think Andrew Garfield is a great actor. I even liked him in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I thought was, I is, loved him in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah, yeah, I thought. So those, those who remember Jim Baker, remember, realize how, how much he got right about Jim Baker mm -hmm. in that film. So do you, are you putting together a top 10 list? I, I did a top 10 list just for you. Oh, good. Well, yeah. let's hear. I was forced into it because, um, but they're not, you know what these are? These are movies that I would see again or have seen twice, like movies I really liked that much. It's probably not what the best movies are here from a critic standpoint, but just movies I enjoyed the most. And uh, Belfast will be at the top of that list. I yes. love Belfast. Yes. And I think that is definitely a contender. I, yeah, for Best Picture. I think I think it was right now the favor, favorite for Best Picture. So I'm kind of on the bandwagon for that one. I'm seeing three movies that keep rising to the top of various lists. They are mm -hmm. Belfast, The Power of the Dog, mm -hmm. and Licorice Pizza. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza, but I can see the, the first two for sure. Okay. Did you see The Electric Life of, of Louis Wayne? On your recommendation. Actually, it's probably my actual favorite movie of the year. I think I enjoyed on, that movie more than any I film I saw. I think it's on there. Amazon. It may well be, yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, Benjamin, Benjamin Cumberbatch, uh -huh. if he had not made Power of the Dog this year, that would be a film for Best Actor. He's you, just so you endearing. You saw that as, at Toronto. It was a really interesting story. Eccentric, turn-of-the-century guy painted cats painted cats true story man who painted cats not Lou cats real cats 
Here's a movie you probably didn't see. Did you see Wild Indian? No. Wild Indian with a guy named Michael Gray Eyes. And it's it's a little yeah. film. Jesse Eisenberg's in it as well. It's it's about two kids who grew up on a, on a uh, Native American reservation yeah. who are guilty of a horrible crime that they commit when they're like eight. And now they're adults and they're both dealing with it. And uh, Michael Gray Eyes deserves Best Actor of the Year for this film. There's no question. Huh. If, you, wow. if you've seen this performance... He is, he, and he's been around forever. He's been making movies since the 90s. Is it on a, a streaming anywhere yet? It's probably streaming somewhere. Maybe um, Amazon? Probably Amazon Prime. I, you seek that one out. And that's one of the ones, that's one of my... Okay. Free Guy. I love Free Guy. Did Free you see Guy. It? Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. It's a, it's a crowd-pleasing guy, a story about, a, about a, a guy who lives in a video game. Right. And, and he's becoming real, uh, self-realization or whatever. Macbeth? Travis G. McVeigh. Uh-huh. That's that's a beautiful black and white version, and uh, Joel Cohen zips it along. Yeah, I was in junior college. I was in a production of what we called the Scottish play. <laughs> and <laughs> pray tell not... <laughs> who, who who did you play in that? Who were you I, in? That? I was Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> I yeah, I got killed off <laughs> in the first act. <laughs> That thing ran so long, it's probably still running. <laughs> and, and this one, the tragedy of Macbeth, just zips along. It's just it it's thrilling to watch. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If I, I did just a little research. I looked at every other screen version of Macbeth. They all run short. It's, it must be one of Shakespeare's shorter plays. None of them runs more than two hours. Not when we did it. <laughs> it's five acts. <laughs> Changing the scenery. Interesting. That's one of the, there's a lot of black and white this year, isn't there? There's Belfast. Yes. There's, there's uh, Come On, Come On, which is in black and white. Macbeth um, in black and white. It's, and it's, it's, you know, it's not like the old, you know, black and white in the old days on, emu, you know, emulsion film sparkled. There was a sparkle to black and white in those days. Yeah. And I think they can add that digitally these days, but they don't do it because it's, it's fake. But I do like the crispness of, of black and white film. It makes you pay, you somehow pay more attention to the acting, I think. Peter Bogdanovich said that Orson Welles told him to shoot the last picture show in black and white because it would showcase the actors. Oh, okay. There you go. And Orson Welles they, and I are in complete agreement. So that course, means he's right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another film you didn't see. The Killing of Two Lovers. The no. Killing of Two Lovers. It's a set in, in uh, it's, it is, again, another, another, minor actor who deserved a best actor nomination. He'll never get it because no one saw the film. It's a film set in Utah, and it's just about the breakup of a family. It's about a guy who just can't let go of the wife he adores, but who's basically through with him. Yeah. Um, the director is a guy named David Bakoyan, and um, huh. I highly recommend you seek that out, The Killing of Two Lovers. It's, it's, okay. sounds, it sounds like a violent film, but it's actually not. It's a, it's a poignant thoughtful film the french dispatch i just thought i just like it oh i loved that yeah i loved it yeah i i virus worthy again i went to a matinee did you i'd like to see it on a big screen sat through the whole thing sat there through all the credits you know <laughs> at the credits they run magazine covers of this <laughs> fictional magazine that the movie's about and i was the last one out of the theater yeah, yeah. Well, I always I, stay for the credits. I've told but that... people how much I loved it, and they tell me I'm crazy. And I, 
I disagree. I loved it. I'm so glad to hear that. It's a love letter. It's like he's he's throwing out love letters, one to magazines and one to foreign, you know, the old timey foreign, you know, uh, bureaus and to France and to the whole idea of, of, of episodic movie telling. It, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. there's a joy in that film that uh, that I, and Wes Anderson is, I is just love so visionary. his stuff anyway. There's a there's a website called Accidental Wes Anderson, huh? and it's it's pictures people post like they took that look like they were framed by by. Like Wes Anderson, you know, where like the, the table is right in the middle uh, and the and the columns in the back are perfectly symmetrical. So Cyrano, it's on my list. Power of the Dogs on the list. Power Summer of Dog. Soul. Summer, Summer of Soul. Summer of Soul, of course. Yeah. And uh, and now I'm at my twelfth movie, which was The Green Knight, which I I was thrilled with. David Lowry is one of my favorite directors. For some reason Green Knight didn't do it for me. Yeah. I don't know why. I'll give you a quick list of mine, not in any order. But uh, number one, I've got three together Licorice Pizza, <laughs> Belfast, and The Power of the Dog. I, that, see that, I like them all three the best. Uh, followed by Coda, mm -hmm. Coda, which is on Apple. Power of the Dog is on HBO Max. And then Nightmare Alley, which is virus worthy. <laughs> uh, passing. Did you see Passing on I Netflix? I have Passing here, and I haven't, I haven't watched it. Is it, it, it? It's good. You like it. Uh, and it's in black and white. It is black and white. You're right. Uh, about uh, set in 1920s, uh, about a woman who is black who passes for white, and what that does to her. You know why I didn't then, watch it? I, I watched the trailer of that film, and it, it didn't. Con I wasn't convinced that I was going to be convinced that the one woman could pass for white. But I guess in the culture of the time... If you're in Europe at the time, you, you could get away with it. King Richard, we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Summer of Soul, of course. Uh, I put West Side Story on there. I may, you know, that may be a placeholder. <laughs> and did you see the card counter? No, but I heard about it. Paul Schrader mm -hmm. makes all these weird movies. And, and that's on there. It's probably a, a placeholder. I mean, I have a 10 best list until the end <laughs> I, of January. I think it was a really good year for movies. Surprisingly good year. A, a great year for movies that no one has seen. <laughs> That's true. It'll, and again, you and I, here you and I are sharing our list, and there's a sizable percentage of the movies on each of our lists that neither of us has seen or the other has not seen. Uh, let me uh, pitch this over to Lou Katz, speaking of cats, <laughs> for a break. From our enabler, the lovely, the one and only Hound Radio. And Hound Radio has something in its bowl for you. It's musical bowl for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Check this out. Hound Radio has a special holiday gift just for you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Celebrate with the Jim Brickman Show. The gift of Christmas. With Jim Brickman. I like this a lot because it's about showbiz. And Bob. Lots of room for hilarity to ensue. Facebook sensations Matt and Savannah are here to talk about their number one holiday album and the song that they did with yours truly. Pat Monahan from Train joins me to talk about their new song and Hallmark Channel movie. Tony winning actress and singer Kristen Chenoweth is with me to talk about why Christmas is happiness. The legendary voice of Journey, Steve Perry, is here to talk about his first ever Christmas album and how not to overindulge on your holiday party tour. Then the Jim Brickman Show. Don't miss the gift of Christmas.
Christmas radio special, Christmas Eve and throughout Christmas Day, here on your home for the holidays, Hound Radio. I've got French Dispatch as number 11 and Macbeth is 12. And a little foreign movie called The Worst Person in the World. I heard about that. Jason Frey. I, have, I actually have it here. I need watch to watch it. it. And uh, watch it and tell me what you think. I want to mention a couple of things. It was an editor, a letter to the editor in the Washington Post written by W. Edward Blaine of Roanoke. And uh, it's he's talking about Stephen Sondheim. And uh, he says, I urge readers not to shrug off Sondheim and Anthony Perkins' screenplay for The Last of Sheila. I saw the movie in 1973 when it was released and several decades later on Turner Classic Movies. I had forgotten that Sondheim uh, wrote a movie with Tony Perkins. You... Yeah. Well, you know, I saw it when it opened, and I haven't watched it again. I, I actually did a little video tribute to, to Sondheim, and I put oh. that in there, and people were surprised that he had written a, a yeah. screenplay because he's so identified with Broadway. And, and he's also identified with relatively bad adaptations of his films, of his plays to film. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying. I'm actually trying to think of a really good film adaptation of one of his uh, plays. Well, I would say Into the Woods <clears throat> was pretty good. Yeah, I, I would uh, say Into the Woods uh, there. But when I read about the last of Sheila, I was remembering in the late '80s, before the the uh, videotape machines were in wide use. There was a company in Bethesda that rented projectors and 16 millimeter prints of films. And I went to a birthday party for someone and uh, her favorite film was The Last of Sheila. And they got a print and we watched it in their living room and it was delightful. So I would just say, uh, Next time you're uh, looking around Turner Classics, yeah, uh, look for The Last of Sheila and think they had a great of, cast, uh, Stephen Sondheim, and uh, they say that it's the movie that inspired Knives Out. Oh, uh, well, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get that. So the tell me about the screen. Was it like the was the 16 millimeter projector there clicking away? Like in the, yeah, it's like when yes. you used to go to the library yes. as a kid and they'd and, show you hygiene films. It, Every 30 minutes, they'd stop, turn on the lights, <laughs> rewind the reel. Oh, they rewind the reel. Put the next reel on. <laughs> it was delightful. <laughs> Talk about old school. Uh, one other thing uh, this week Anne Rice passed away at the age of 80. And, um, but do did you remember? She? interview with the vampire. I guess I thought in my heart of hearts that my work was too weird to ever really appeal to a mass audience. And it was my dream to be a popular writer. I, I did not want to be an elitist writer. I didn't really want to write for a small group of people. I wanted to write for uh, a big audience, but I still never thought that my work was palatable enough for a big audience. So when Interview with the Vampire got a lot of attention commercially, and when it went out as a paperback and became a bestseller, I was kind of surprised. I want to see the body, frankly. <laughs> well, on that.
fun to say, Bill, I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you, you too. We would be the two oldest guys. Sometimes Lou would sit with us. <laughs> Another guy, Peter Freeman. There'd be like four octogenarians in the back of the theater <laughs> watching these screams. I miss those days. It's great to have you. And uh, we'll look for your work in, on Saturday Evening Post and SaturdayEveningPost.com. Thank you, Arch. And, it's always a pleasure, obviously. And we'll be back next week with more. And Lou Katz, have a good week. This is the Katz Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.